Thank you for tuning in to the Joint Discussions. This is a growing coalition of information for a community built on all things cannabis. We are curating dialogue between various people throughout the cannabis supply chain to broaden access and to bridge the gap between cultivators, clinical providers, and connoisseurs to unite our community. And now, your host, Dr. Pepper Hernandez. Hello and welcome to Joint Discussions. I'm so excited to have a guest on today that is going to tell us a lot about what's going on in middle America. Uyi is a friend of mine and he's got some great information. He is a licensed caregiver and cultivator in the state of Missouri. He's the owner and operator of Urban Legends, which is pretty cool which is a nonprofit, and he creates care for patients he cultivates for. So what are you doing? How are you, my friend? Hey, good to hey, see you, Hey, how are you doing, Doc? Doing good, doing good. So tell me, and the listeners, tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Give us a background on what you're doing there in Missouri. Uh, right now in Missouri, um, we're doing Urban Legends, caregiving, cultivating, branding, getting our intellectual properties up, trying to get uh, basically locked down on some ideas before the market opens up. We have, um, of course, like uh, every other state, freaking uh, recreation is right around the corner. So we are trying to prepare for that the best that we can in a very locked down competitive market. So what is Missouri like right now? We're doing this discussion mm -hmm. in 2022. Mm -hmm. And so what does the law look like for someone who's just a resident of Missouri? So Missouri is really on the cutting as a, a prohibition right now. In cities like St. Louis, they have actually have a, they have a law set in St. Louis where anyone over the age of 21 can actually cultivate without a license up to six plants. You can possess up to like two ounces and they will not prosecute anyone, a dime of the state's money to prosecute anyone for anything less than two ounces of cannabis of possession. They have certain decriminalized laws like that in certain municipalities throughout the state. But the state law is that you actually have to have a license to cultivate. So that's uh, one of the little discrepancies that you'll find here. That's why um, the votes that are coming up in November are so important. And all these different, actually, they have the Freedom Act, all these different bills that they have. I think Missouri has maybe a total of two or three different initiatives that they're pushing for REC within the next year. So many questions here. Let's talk about the Freedom Act, because you and I had a quick discussion on what that looks like, and that vote is in November of 2022. The what does that even look like for cannabis in Missouri? So, so what we have actually, the legal mode 2022, that vote is in November. The Freedom Act, I have not heard it hit the ballot yet. They did get it submitted and took that to Jefferson City earlier this year. It was presented, but I believe they went to recess before it was actually voted on. And then shortly after that, I believe Legal Mo submitted all of their petitions for them to be on the next ballot. So they successfully... Legal mode, the, that initiative successfully will be on the ballot in November. Unfortunately, that initiative beat out the Freedom Act to that ballot. So I don't believe we will have the opportunity to vote for the Freedom Act yet, unfortunately. 
that is very unfortunate because the Freedom Act has many of the reparations that a lot of home grow and a lot of patients really want to see. Even a lot of businesses and investors that lost their money on the first round, the Freedom Act gives them all of their money back in a tax refund or something like that. But there's a lot of incentives there for the people. So the Freedom Act and the, the Freedom Act was presented by the people to the representatives in Columbia. I believe, or Jefferson City, it's this, excuse me, at the state's capital, they went, literally, they went up there to the state capital. I couldn't make it that day, I had to work, but I remember they went up there, took all of the petitions and everything, and they submitted the Freedom Act to one of our representatives, and they set dates for it to go to the actual session and all of that. And I just think that they went to recess before it made it to the ballot, and the Legal Mode 2022 Act beat them out. So that is what we will have the opportunity to vote on this year. Okay, so the Freedom Act's not in November. So tell us the difference between what is being voted on in November and what the Freedom Act actually is. So this legal There's a difference was, between those two. Okay, well, the legal mode was put together by, I guess, lobbyists, I guess, a bunch of companies, local. A lot of people don't like the legal mode initiative. I'm trying to present it and explain it as non-biased as possible. Uh, to my understanding, it was created by corporations or lobbyists here in the city. A lot of the people that created it are already operating within the state. And so they had, I guess, probably an incentive to create some of the wording and the laws and this new initiative, the way that they did. And so unfortunately it does cut into some of the existing rights and it does create a monopoly of some sort for the current existing companies in the state. So they do offer a new license in the initiative, but from my understanding, it's gonna create a more pay to play type of situation with those licenses that they're gonna be rewarding. Uh, it's gonna be like a lottery system and we know how that goes. And it doesn't really speak a lot onto the social equity and really how to get licenses to the existing caregivers and cultivators. I think that it actually, I, and I don't want to speak on it. Some people I've heard, they say that it cuts their patients. Some people say that it doesn't, it gives them more patients. So I think there's a lot of discrepancies between maybe what the people are, are getting about the legal mode 2022 and how really, I guess, disseminates down. I really wish that they would do a one-to-one -one kind of transparent view between the Freedom Act and the legal mode 22. I think that um, they are, unfortunately on the ballot, I feel like they're hiding behind the name legal mode 22 because just being a cannabis advocate, you hear that and you want to vote yes for legal Missouri 2022, but you really do not want to vote yes for this because it will create a monopoly with the current companies that kind of run the industry. And it's really unfortunate, Dr. Pepper. I'm so glad that we're talking about this because I listen to your show all the time and I know that you're from Humboldt and I hear how progressive everything is out there. And then I hear all these shows and other people talking about New York City. So now New York is the next thing. You know, Oklahoma was the thing three or six months ago, but everyone is asleep on the middle of the country. And by the time they wake up, it's going to be too late. Like literally these people, these big, large companies, the MSOs are coming in and they're locking things down in a very red tape type of way. To the point that the legislation, is, if they get their hands in the legislation the way that they are trying to, it's going to be, if not impossible, a very, very long time before we will be able to change things or really put a dent in the things that are going on here. So I know that everyone's focused on New York, and uh, but 
there's things going on and people really need some help, you know. What does that look like in the middle of the country, Missouri? I know people are already starting to buzz about Texas, Arkansas. There are other states that are starting to do this. And so let's just break it down for those people who are listening and want to help or want to understand. And Louisiana, I was talking to somebody about Louisiana too. Something's going on over there too. Um, But what's happening in layman's terms? People are coming in. And they're buying these licenses because why? Because the licenses are very expensive. Yeah, well, it's a capitalist country. It's a capitalist world. I mean, unfortunately, so people who are successful with these companies are people that I don't, I can't say that they're all other cannabis companies operating in other states. But what's happening is that people, unfortunately, how it's being said or how it was explained to me is that when the first round went through, when all the cards fell where they were, a lot of people locally that invested money within themselves to create an infrastructure for the industry lost out to outside investors that through whatever way found a way to lock in. And so you may be buying Missouri cannabis, but that money's going somewhere else. So you have a lot of people in Missouri that are mad about that. You have a lot of people locally that are very upset about that. So that's why you even got the Freedom Act, because so many people hated how all the chips fell the first round. So the people that got in the first round, now their next step is to lock in with the legal mode 22. So if they can do that and successfully create this monopoly, doesn't matter who comes back with what, because there's been lawsuits about what happened. There's still litigations going on about what happened. So if they further submit their hold, it won't matter what goes through. I mean, there's been companies that have been forfeited here, like just walked away from because they haven't been dealing correctly. Like there's a lot of things going on in Missouri. And unfortunately, we're already so far behind the state of cannabis, like California, things like that that the people there that are experienced, oh, they're wrecking shop. They know what to do. They know how to move. They know all these things that are going to happen before they happen. It's kind of like being from the future and coming to the back. You're like, oh, I know what to do next. And they know which way to rear it. So that's what you have here. You, you have that type of playing field. And then we're surrounded by places like Kansas that are into industrial hemp. And that's really where the money's at. And then you have states like Illinois that have recreation, but they have that so controlled. They have Illinois is I love the state, but how they have their cannabis laws is the exact way that they want their cannabis laws to be. A caregiver in Illinois, there's no way for a small guy to do anything cannabis wise in Illinois. Only big cannabis does anything in Illinois. You can check it out. Ask anybody in Illinois, all of that works the exact way that they want that to work, unfortunately. And I feel like that's what they're trying to do here. It's going to be exactly. Yeah, I think that's the point. I think that's what our conversation is about today is big businesses coming in. Mm -hmm. The price of, you know, a cultivator's license being so extremely high that the normal mom and pop cannot afford that. So big business, big pharma, big cannabis, big industry comes in, purchases these very expensive licenses, mm-hmm. 
And then what are they going to be doing? And like you said, you had a very good point there. They are selling cannabis to the community and extracting that money. Where are they taking that money? They're taking that money back to wherever their big business is. How do we avoid this, OU? What is your perspective? What are we doing? How do we help? You know, uh, some sometimes I think that it's a runaway train because, you know, me, I'm a cultivator. I love growing this plant. I love having my patients. We're working on intellectual patents. We're working on our strains. We're working on, we're working underneath the medical guys to create different intellectual properties. So hopefully when this thing does become wreck, we have an avenue that we can go through. And so doing that, I can only hope that we get people here that want to work with the people here, you know, that don't just want to take money from here, that actually want to work with the people here and build it. That's one thing I, I, I don't know how it is in other cities getting into the cannabis industry, but here we joke about it, it being like the guys that work at the dispensary is Chad, Brad, and his dad. And even though you submit an application, when you get down there, you know, it always seems not to work out. And so, unfortunately, I mean, it does not matter how much you know about the plant. It does not matter how good you are. You know, these guys, and, and you can't knock them. Missouri's a right-to-work state. Kansas is a right-to-work state. And no one has to tell you why you're fired, or no one has to tell you why you're not hired. At the end of the day, they have the right to have whatever storefront they want and whatever pill they want. And they're just going with the one that gets the most money or presents them the way that they have been presented. It's crazy because I've heard stories about the guys in the back growing. And then when they want to take the pictures for the brochure, they have a whole different group come in for the pictures. So that's the industry you got going on here. And then you may get fired tomorrow for saying something about it. And they don't have to tell you why you're fired. It's a right to work state. So you this, have all. Yeah, this is blowing my mind. Yeah, so you, I mean, so that's the thing. It's like we live in this kumbaya world and because, you know, we're all about this plant. But when cannabis meets the actual industry, you know, what business is like here, then that's when you're going to have a mix of the two industries. So it's, it's bigger than just cannabis. It's business, too. You know, all the same employee issues, all the same employment issues still exist on top of not being able to get into the industry. I've been to events strictly marketed towards minorities and all that type of stuff and still not being able to get an opportunity for one reason or another. I mean, it looks very good on paper and it looks very good there. They talk and they socialize and it looks great, but at the end of the day, it's business. So I heard these companies don't like felons. So if they don't let felons in and if they're not giving minorities an opportunity, if they're not actually giving people in the legacy, I guess, an opportunity, then it's just going to be Brad, Chad, and his dad, and whoever can afford to play ball, you know? As a licensed caregiver and cultivator there, what does that allow you to do? That allows you to help support your family and your community in a small way. How many plants are you able to grow as a caregiver so, uh, per person? So as a licensed caregiver and operator, and that's why I'm all about the community, because really you are at the whim of the community. I can only receive donations from my patients, you know, and you're limited to only three patients. So if you are your patient, then you are only limited to two patients, you know, so you are pretty much growing. That's why I say 
everybody grows because they love the plant. You're not really making anything off of it. So you hope to one, make a strain or two, make an idea, make a spray that you can lock down and make it your own, put your label on it. And you can sell that anywhere because it's a spray or you can sell your seeds, their novelty items anywhere. You have to figure out a way because you have to make a way out of no way here. They're not giving you any end. You know, and so that's why you have a lot of caregivers. You can go online and look at how many caregivers and cultivators there are. Woo! Because that's the only end. That's the only way that you're going to get to touch your plant. And that's just incredible. You have this love for the plant. You've created a nonprofit for patients to be able to get the care. But the absolute, the view that I'm seeing, you know, the picture that you're painting for me is that that's about the extreme that you can go. And you're trying to find different ways to just grow for your community. What is the next step for Urban Legends? Yep. So Urban Legends, like I said, I've partnered with a couple other local growers and cultivators, caregivers. I'm not sure how many of these. Of course, they have about three patients each. But so I have created this online forum or I'm working with these guys and creating these online forums, kind of an educational platform because like the cannabis community isn't even safe on Instagram. So where are we safe? We seek refuge on places like Patreon. We're not even safe on YouTube. I heard YouTube's going around cracking down and cutting people off. Like literally you can put so much of your life into this thing. And then in the blink of an eye, someone come and take it from under you. I've been working with these guys, man, and uh, each of them, like I said, these guys, they're breeders, they're cultivators, they're caregivers, they're patients. And so we're working and creating an educational platform so that we can actually brand, we can have merch on there, we can have something. And like I said, we're all trying to figure out a way to capture, you know what I'm saying, to monetize this thing that we see these bigger guys coming in and just flipping things over and pulling it away. So is that kind of like a co-op that you're trying to create with well, virtually, other? Well, well, yeah. So we have, a, uh, like I said, these guys are, we're all active offline, but online we're creating an educational platform, which is the Urban Legends. If you go to Patreon, it's HNL Collective. And also if you go to Instagram, I'm Uli Exotic, but I also have a representation of HNL Collective on Instagram too. Uh, all the educational stuff, we give a, a lot of secrets and a lot, a little bit more of a, a little bit more information on the Patreon. And that's what we've been doing with me and these other guys that are freaking really specialist breeders and stuff like that. So the information and the knowledge is there. So we're just trying to put it on something that can't get taken away from us. So one day we can monetize it and really show the world that we've been doing this. We got this information, you know? How crazy is that this is just simply a plant? You yeah. know, isn't this crazy right. what you're going through? How many years or decades have you been into the legacy farming of cannabis? Man, um, I would say off and on because it definitely more recently became a part-time or lifelong, like I, I guess I just recently became so committed to it because I could talk about when I first got introduced. I could talk about when I first started experience. I can talk about when That's I was a teen and I, because there's so many stories. I can talk about when I was a teen and I threw that first seed like out in the corn crop behind the house. Like I could talk about when I was in college and this guy told me how much money he actually made off of growing a year. And it still didn't click then. You know, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. 
I went through a lot growing up, a lot in the town, and I can't say it was around cannabis. I mean, just the war on drugs, period. So I don't ever want to be one of the people that say, man, I went through so much about cannabis because whatever I went through in my community had nothing to do with cannabis. What I went through in my community was just the trials and tribulations that that system or whatever, the oppression that that opposed. But I remember that it was always a stigma. I feel like, you know, the stoner can't be productive. So I remember around college, around high school, there was times that I didn't smoke. There was times that I can't say that I participated, but there were also times that I made a living and it paid my rent. So there's, I can't say that I was not part of the legacy industry, the legacy market, but I feel like I was not proud and prideful as I wish that I could be. I feel like there was a stigma that was placed on people that used the plant, on people that touched the plant, on people that sold the plant. And I, no matter what, I was in college. I have two master's degrees. I was doing what I was doing in college but for what the same thing that Brad and Chad are getting paid to do today. But for whatever reason, there was a stigma placed on it. So that psychology in me, I placed the stigma on it. And instead of me going wholeheartedly into that or moving to California and trying to be a broker or whatever, you know what I'm saying? I shied away from it. I saw a different lane. I got a different skill. Then once recreation or once legalization came to my region, then I, I developed, I got my heart back. And then I felt so bad because I left behind this thing that I love so much, you know? And so now I'm here and I'm like, yo, this is how it should be. And I'm working on it. And, you know, I'm active. So that's, that's so well said. I love how you just put that. It's like she was your love from a very young age. And because of, you know, whatever you had to go through and the realistic piece being in Missouri and cannabis, that's just straight fear, right? And we have all that placed upon us and all that guilt and all those looks of, I mean, I grew up in Oklahoma, so it was definitely a what in the world are you doing kind of moment for me in many moments. So I hear what you're saying and I think it's just... So many people who haven't been in love with cannabis for a very long time, they don't understand. They don't understand those moments of fear, whether you're growing cannabis, whether you're smoking it, whether you're, you know, gifting it or whatever. Um, A nice word to say for that. They don't understand that. And then I see this corporation or industrial cannabis coming in and making large profits off of what we have been told for not only our lifetimes, but generations, hundreds of years that this plant was not a plant that we should be using, specifically the last hundred, I guess. But yeah, it's just, it's eye-opening and awing, and I can't believe cannabis has been through this. I'm grateful that she's still around. And I'm grateful that we have advocates like yourself and others who love it so much and are working so hard, but it's just interesting, you know, what it's been going through. You said earlier about the prosecution of cannabis uses your state's money. I think that's important for us to go back to for a moment because it kind of just full circles this, this conversation that we're having. There are people who have been prosecuted for exactly what these big 
cannabis industry corporations are coming in and doing on a very large scale. And these people who have been prosecuted maybe had a seed on them. For God's sakes, a seed. The seed, that's like the worst is a seed, right? Because then you're growing it too. And then you're going to transport it. Like, but you know, just a joint, say a half a joint, half a smoke joint. Oh, oh, doc. My, you know, my, I mean, my first case. Money doc. is paying for all that for the last how many years? My first case as a teenager, doctor, I was pulled over with one of my best friends and the cop gave me a ticket and put me on probation for tobacco. It was a cigar called a paraphernalia. A cigar called me paraphernalia, put me on probation at the age of 15 for a cigar here in Missouri. So, I mean, we've they been on the front realize that it wasn't a blunt? Did oh, they... yeah, totally. It doesn't matter if it was a blunt. It's paraphernalia. I was 15 under 18. Paraphernalia. Put you on papers. That's the thing about the social equity question. It, it kills me because I, I hate it because it was like, apply for social equity, apply for social equity. But social equity, they say, and I feel like the conversation is only if you have a conviction that involves the actual plan or the whatever, you know what I'm saying, that actually involves cannabis. But what about everything else around the cannabis? People lost their lives to this thing, took bullets for this thing, you know? So if you got if you took a bullet, do you get a social equity license? Like, do you have to have got it charged? Because that means you got caught. What if you didn't get caught? What about all the other things that you went through? So why do you only get a social equity if you got caught? A lot of these things don't make sense to me. But, you know, like I said, if they want to stop people, I mean, I love the fact that litigation and legalization is here because nobody should die or get shot or, or anything for this plant. Like that should not happen. You shouldn't have to die to get medicine. You shouldn't have to. This shouldn't happen. And so I love the fact that it's here, but if we really want to stop kids and people from losing their lives and, and all the drama that goes on around it, then we really need to do that and stop like trying to get a buck or figure out corporate is going to move in and like, we're going to free it up. We're going to free it up, you know? And I think that's a really good positive note to kind of shift this on is in a couple of years, do you think that in Missouri, it will have balanced out a little do you think that that's coming? I mean, obviously, federal legalization is going to change everything. And so everybody's kind of just playing and trying to get in their money until then, right? But do you think it's just going to start shifting out? I mean, or is that just like a positive hope from our side? Or Well, I think that the feds are waiting for every state to make their individual stance on cannabis. Then the Fed is going to go through and decriminalize it, and they're going to let whatever your state does do what it do. You're going to end up with states that have interstate commerce agreements between each other. They're going to be like cannabis highways. You're going to have some states that you can't even touch it. It's going to really be just like guns. And I think that is the president that they were setting when they reversed Roe versus Wade, is that they're going to pass the power down to the states and let each the state have freedom to decide like that. So if you want something different, you're going to have to pick up and move to the state that agrees or is aligned with your beliefs. So I believe that personally, Missouri will one way or another figure out how to go recreational. I hope it's with the Freedom Act, but I feel like they're going to figure that out. And then once every state has pretty much set its decision on the cannabis situation, then I feel like the feds are going to only decriminalize it. And then it's going to really be left up to whatever your state has figured out. Okay, so I'm sitting in California 
and I've been in Oklahoma prior to that I was in Colorado right in the last this is like the last two three decades that's my life with cannabis so I've been in states where it's legal and really when you and I have chatted or we've been on any of our clubhouse chatting we're talking about you know craft cannabis promote the organic farmer and now I'm sitting here thinking bless your heart like you're sitting there listening to us like oh we really want organic which I mean I'm not (laughs) we do we really do want organic we do want to support the farmers but you're sitting here with a whole different situation that we as pro states aren't even aware of seriously bless your heart I mean, I get inspired, though, listening to a lot of the guys, a lot of you from more progressive states, because what we're going through now, you guys went through 10 years ago. So when you guys have certain days that are for certain guys that stood up and, and, and helped with these laws and make things the way that they are there, that inspires me to do the things that I try to do here. When I hear about some of the things that you guys have already done there, that inspires me. That Okay, so so that's what, how this is going to go. So I can move this different way and plan and try to prepare for those things that happen here, even though I don't control when or how they're going to happen. Well, I'm glad that you are inspired by conversations and that you're one of those people that are really advocating for the plant and advocating for laws, because when it really comes down to it, it's about patients getting the cannabis in their hands and utilizing it for health and wellness. And I think that we can all agree on that. And that's what we're all here fighting for this plant on is because it's either helped save our lives or people around us. And I guess my last question here is what type of cannabis are we even fighting for here in Missouri, right? I'm seeing all of these little things that you're talking about, all these loopholes, how it's exhausting, but then what kind of quality of cannabis are they even producing at the end? Like that's going to be available for people. Can you tell me about that? I hate to say, because I think that that's even questionable right now. Uh, When you go craft, I think you're always going to go the best bet. I mean, I know a lot of these guys and a lot of these guys are organic growers. A lot of these guys are organic farmers. I mean, these guys are, I mean, you can go online and see how strong the Missouri cultivators are out here and how really prideful they are. There's some horror stories that I've heard recently about some unknown companies that have actually been caught with bad, dirty cannabis, bad tests, and, uh, and certain, um, I, I hate to put stuff out there, man, but there's a lot of unscrupulous things that are going on, I think, in corporate cannabis in Missouri. So I, I, there's no well, telling, Doc. There's no telling. I think that, you know, those big corporate cannabis kind of companies, they're looking at auto flower, they're looking at synthetic chemicals, they're not necessarily doing organic, they're definitely doing like indoor lights, like that's kind of what I was getting at. Oh, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it is I, not I, negative say to say that. It's That's the reality. They're in it for the money. Oh, yeah, definitely. They're, they're definitely in it for the money. When you say that, uh, I could understand that's where you're going with it. But the thing that came to my mind, because, and I, I don't know if this is an article or what, but there have been whispers about a company that's cannabis tested bad for, I don't know if it was for mold. I don't know if it was for 
it was something that was bad and then they end up still running it and then I think the situation got so bad that I think that instead of them being fined, they forfeited the company. Like, this is something that I just heard. So I don't want to put that out there. That might be something you may want to look up. I don't know. But I mean, you didn't mention the company's name, but I can see yeah, that yeah. happening. Yeah. You know, so but that's so when you say quality, that's the first thing that came to my mind. I was like, man, doctor, there's, there's really no telling with how that's going to go. I'll tell you the honest truth. I know of companies uh, locally that have okay. done that. Okay, so they're branding okay. themselves as organic, holistic, small craft farms. And they've tested high in mold and yeast, and they just went ahead and processed food. Now, I, that's not legal, especially in a state like California. But if it's getting by here, I can only imagine. And when you have uh, some of these multi state operators, and I think it was a multi-state operator name. <laughs> yeah, now that I speak about it, I do remember the name now. When you, have some, you don't have to say. I know, yeah. When you have yeah. some of these guys come in, they know the game. Yeah. So they, you know, they know how to play it. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you so much. I think that we could probably have another chat. Maybe we'll have an update here soon. And you and I can always chat over on our platforms. Now, how can our listeners contact you if they have questions or how can they get information on either your co-op or Urban Legends? Okay, well, uh, I'm always available. Instagram, Ouye Exotics. Uh, that's O-O-Y-E-E-X-O-T-I-X on Instagram. Uh, the collective is H&L Collective. We also have DevelOps. So uh, you guys got any questions consulting-wise on your builds, consulting-wise on your grows? If you're interested in just business or you like to talk about the plant, hit me up. If you're interested, uh, we have, a, like I said, the educational platforms for Patreon. So if you guys are new cultivators, you want to get into growing, you guys see something out there, you want to say, man, how do I get my plants to look like that? Check out the Patreon. And that's H&L Collective on there, too. Pretty much, uh, we're urban legends. H&L Collective all around. And I'm really exotic. I love your purple OG. Is it purple OG? Oh, yeah, purple OG. Right I there. love it. Your yeah. little plan in the back. It's gorgeous. Your passion is infectious, and I appreciate it. It just fires me up about what's going on in Missouri and surrounding states. We're going to keep our eyes on you. If there's anything that we can do here at Joint Discussions, please let us know. Thanks, doctor. Thank you so much, Uli, for being here. I appreciate you. And to our audience, thank you for being here. I appreciate you as well. Have a beautiful day and make this your very best life ever.